This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. They're going to kill the love of my life. Casey! If I don't go back to what I was doing. This Friday. Our line of work is quite brutal and quite ruthless. How far would you go for love? You steal truck, bring it to me. Then you make your money. Is it dangerous? Of course it's dangerous! Nicholas Holt, Felicity Jones, with Ben Kingsley and Anthony Hopkins. All this trouble, all this pain, for love. Collide, in theaters Friday. Rated PG-13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. Welcome to the East Coast Offense Podcast, sponsored by FanDuel. There's a special offer for new FanDuel users. You can get a free... Six-month RotoWire subscription with a $10 deposit on FanDuel. Go to FanDuel.com slash RW. Not only will you get that free subscription, but you'll have that $10 available to play with on FanDuel. It's more than 40 bucks in value for just $10. Go to FanDuel.com slash RW. This is Chris Liss, host of the East Coast Offense Podcast, and I'm joined by my co-host, Dalton Dildon. And I don't know how we got nominated for a uh, FSWA award for this podcast, believe it or not. And A, nobody listens to it, and B, uh, it was nominated for football, which it was, but I think the one that I gave to Pete to go send in was a baseball one, so I'm not even sure. We're, we're definitely not going to win, I, can, I promise you that, but uh, it's, ama- you know, it's amazing it's been nominated actually the last two years. Yeah, no, I was surprised myself. Um, Pat Mayo is another nominee. I like him. Uh, Daily Fantasy Edge with Adam Levitan and Alex Zeidenfeld, a really good DFS podcast I, I personally listen to is also... Here, but I, I passive aggressively congratulated you on Twitter because it says best football podcast, East Coast offense with Chris Liss from Rotowire. And uh, I don't know. I, I just said it must be really difficult to, to do that all by yourself this, this year. So congratulations, Liss. Yeah, it has been difficult. And I appreciate you always retweeting it. I know you're a big fan of the podcast. So, yeah, it's not like I'm just a guest. I and mean, don't get me wrong. You do all the editing and it's your podcast. I was only halfway teasing, but. I mean, I was on literally every single episode this past year. I mean, you, you, know. you were, you were, and that's why I will only be nominated and not win. Actually, <laughs> but. well, well, at least my name isn't on the official ballot, so I can't tarnish it that way. So it's really actually only your fault if you don't. That's right. That's right. No, yeah, sorry about that. I didn't even think about it. I just, I think you know, Pete like submits all this stuff, and I was like, oh, and and basically, what I actually did was I didn't even pick it. I didn't even think about anything except, do we have one where I'm not totally excoriating Hillary Clinton? <laughs> right, you because had to really search. You had, had to, to search because, you know, like in my opinion, obviously, well, in my opinion, 
uh, the Democrats, the neoliberal Democrats, created conditions, not only by the way they managed things, but also by the candidate they nominated that gave rise to Trump. Trump won because the Democrats nominated the wrong candidate and practiced a form of uh, governing that did not serve most of the people. And that's my view, and it's still my view, but not everybody, especially the people who might be uh, reviewing this podcast, would agree with that. And you'd think, well, what do they care? You know, it's just a, they're just evaluating for content. Well, Kurt Schilling's not in the Hall of Fame, right? Kurt right. Schilling is a no-brainer Hall of Famer, and he probably won't get in because his political views differ. Yeah, he for- lost percentage points. Normally it right. goes the other way when, when the amount he had. Normally it goes the other way. Right. So his political views differ from those of the people voting on him. And not that, you know, I'm basically like, fuck it. You know, if people don't like it, then don't listen. But uh, I did make the concession of when I was going through the podcast. I didn't even send in a particularly good one that we did. I just sent in one that didn't have a whole diatribe at the end. <laughs> gotcha. Well, I think they're announced um, on SiriusXM, it looks like, on February 7th. So I'll be on vacation. I, I won't be there to to weigh in or hear it. I'm going to uh, Spain. We're taking an overnight train to San Sebastian, staying there for a couple days. Heather planned all of this, and then we're going to Barcelona by train, and then we're renting a car and driving to Andorra, which is this tiny little country between Spain and France, and going skiing in the Andorran Pyrenees. Uh, it's, not, it's not quite the Alps. Apparently, it's good skiing if you're, like, an okay skier, which I am. I'm like, okay, I'm not a great skier. I don't need, like, expert slopes and shit, so... We're going, and Sasha's going to get on skis, and we're going to, you know, do that. Are you going to be traveling during the Super Bowl, or are you leaving afterward? Uh, no, I'll be. I'll probably be in Andorra during the Super Bowl, but it'll be nighttime, so I may even have to watch it on Rewind, which is kind of ridiculous. Like, part of the Super Bowl is, like, you know, everybody together. Of course, I'm going to bet on it, but, man, it's. Uh, I may have to watch it on Rewind because I don't, if I'm skiing the next day, you know, I don't want to waste a whole day. It's not like I can just sleep in later. Right. Yeah. Speaking of betting, I lost my bet to you last week. I got four and a half points, the Packers, and that was over nearly before it started. We talked a little bit about this on Sirius XM. Who knows what would have happened if Mason Crosby makes a field goal and, and Ripkowski doesn't fumble at the one. But Rename your Atlanta kid. was clearly the better team. And, and Matt Ryan, 9.5 YPA at home, just obviously the MVP this season. That offense is just better than the greatest show on turf back in the day and just really impressive. What a well-oiled machine. I mean, just just, just. I mean, they could have put up sixty if they wanted to. Yeah, you better change your kid's name. You were. I know. Crosby Shame Mason. I know that was shameful. Yeah. Might want to change it to the name of somebody who wins these kind of bets. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was. You know, as we talked about on the radio, like it's possible that if uh, what's his name, the the white guy that they keep handing the ball to for no apparent reason, didn't fumble. Ripcows. And. Uh, Crosby hits the field goal, and Mike McCarthy goes on fourth and two from his thirty, his forty, or whatever it was, and makes it. You know, maybe it's a different game, but it's one of those things where everything would have had to go right, and maybe it would have been competitive. So I, I'm kind of with yeah. It's obviously unquantifiable in a different universe. It's just interesting that, that that there's a cascade effect in which we can't quantify. Like you know, I mean, who knows? It could have changed so many different variables that even you know we can't even begin to fathom, but still, whatever. Atlanta was a better team, and they, they win that game, you know, eight times out of ten, I'm guessing, if they played again under those circumstances. Too banged up, those receivers. I can't believe Jordy Nelson played. I faded him and Adams and Chris Hogan in, in DFS. I just didn't want to deal with those. I thought they were badly injured. They wouldn't have played if it was a regular season. There was a good chance of re-injury and leaving the game, but all three scored, and Hogan had a, a big, big matchup, and 
ultimately uh, Green Bay's deficiencies can't run the ball. Even Montgomery left hurt. Uh, they were just overwhelmed and overmatched, and, and Atlanta – uh, looks really good. And um, yeah, so I mean, I guess we can talk some Super Bowl before we get there. I, I brought this also up on the radio that um, the uh, the Yahoo's offering a square, uh, you know, you, everyone runs their square pool, uh, usually in person, but you can do this um, through Yahoo this year. And I've already set up set up my own uh, own deal because I'm gonna be at my dad's my dad's 75th birthday happens to be in the, in during the Super Bowl. So I won't be with my normal group of friends. You're in a different country. So we're all spread out. So you don't have to rush when you're getting ready. You know, you want to get your drink. You want to get some appetizer before the game. You can do it ahead of time online, and it's pretty cool. I, I sent you guys emails a couple hours ago, and already 38 have signed up, including five from you. Don't forget to PayPal me. So if you're looking for an easier way to run your square pool, check out Yahoo. Yeah, no, it's, it is cool. It's, it's well designed because you just click on it, and you got a square. And it's also that you click on five squares, and I don't know what I'm getting. Randomized, it's randomized. After, yeah, after it's filled because obviously it would be uh, a greater advantage to people who sign up quicker because, you Yeah, know, that's some bullshit seven. where it's like on a char- – I guess it's just the technology people do it because you got to put your name in the square, and it's too hard to randomize it afterward. So right. that's why people did it that way. But it's bullshit when someone gets like seven and seven, seven and right. zero, and you're like, oh, i got eight and five. Why would I even play? Yeah, no, exactly. So what? There were, there were eight blowouts so far out of the ten games, and the other one was a, a very boring Pittsburgh Kansas City game. So just one good game, albeit one of the best playoff games of the decade. But it's definitely been a disappointing playoffs. Uh, I really think this line, uh, Patriots minus three, is tight. It's exactly what it should be. I would have leaned toward the Falcons if it was four or four and a half. Um, I personally bet on the Patriots before the playoffs, and I got plus one fifty. And I just thought that was was value. I mean, their first game was at home as 17-point favorites and then, you know, easily beat the Steelers. They just had to win two home games, and now I'd have to give minus 160 for them to win this game. So I'm glad I did that, and it's going to be my tiebreaker that I'm leaning toward the Patriots. But I know you're contrarian in both in both manners here. You, A, are leaning toward the Falcons, and B, you're hoping for a blowout just because. Yeah, I'm hoping for a blowout because – Fuck the NFL, basically. <laughs> you know, like, I just like when they have a headache, like, oh, no, we're losing ratings, we're losing this. They're just not the good guys. I mean, you know, obviously a huge part of my livelihood comes from the NFL, so I don't want it to fold entirely. But I don't know. I don't, I don't root for it as a business or an organization. If they have a crappy Super Bowl or crappy playoffs, that's fine by me. Um, also, I'm going to not only bet Atlanta plus three, I'm going to take Atlanta with the money line, and I'm also going to take Atlanta minus seven and a half, for plus 360. You could take a minus 10.5 for plus 440 or something, but maybe 460. I don't know exactly what it is, but I think the 7.5 is the sweet spot. I think there's a very good chance Atlanta beats them like 37, 27, something like that. It's funny. I think Stopa wants me to shop lines opposite. He wants to see what the odds are of uh, Patriots minus like 10.5. That's what he's leaning toward. He, he, you know, he lost with both of his Packers picks last week, but he ended up uh, being okay because he had the over, which did not look good at 24 nothing at halftime when the over was 61, he 61 and a half. He got lucky, as we talked about on the show, that, that the uh, Falcons did not challenge that fumble on the Packers' final drive because that was a fumble. If Atlanta gets the ball with six or seven minutes, they get one or two first downs and punt. Green Bay's putting in the scrubs, and it's over. So yeah, because they're, they're obviously Atlanta's just going to run the ball and run that play clock down to two seconds, one second every single time. So they easily could have ran off three, four minutes. And as you said, I mean, Hundley came in anyway afterwards. So no, of course, they, probably... they wouldn't they wouldn't put Rodgers in once the game was totally out of hand. And that would have been it. Remember, they put Hundley in after they scored that touchdown. So right. it wouldn't have even exactly. been that close. 
So, yeah. you know, it was it was kind of lucky, but good for him. I don't want Mark to go broke. I still need him to fund the uh, Stopa League every year. So, you know, his exactly. batting has been reckless and poor this year. But if as long as he stays solvent, I think we'll be okay. Yeah, I don't know about reckless, but um, reckless speaking of over-unders, this is definitely the highest of the Super Bowl. But I wonder at 59, I wonder if it's if there's ever been a Super Bowl over 55. I mean, I bet, I'm guessing this is comfortably the highest over-under. I think there have been. There's been some with, like, the, I bet you that Niners-Chargers one. In yeah. 1994 was pretty high. Well, There's the Niners some... nearly covered the over themselves. What, what about the Niners Dolphins in 1984? Yeah, that was played in, in, in. Is that the only Super Bowl played in home field? Technically, it was actually played in Stanford Stadium, I believe. But that's the closest to a home because their their uh, what was it candlestick couldn't accommodate it or for some reason. I don't. Maybe they weren't there at the time before my time. But that one was probably super high too because Marino was going crazy. Marino in Montana, you know. So right. it was uh, that one was. Probably yeah, but obviously offense, you know, the rules and everything. I mean, today's day and age is just, in general, higher scoring. But um, do you know that the leading rusher in the conference championship game games last week, I believe, was De- uh, Devontae Freeman with 44 yards? I didn't realize that. Yeah, nobody nobody went off, huh? That's pretty crazy, right? And, and everyone's throwing for, four, you know, three, 400 yards, all of them. <laughs> I mean, that's just just shows. It's. I mean, I still think, you know, the axiom, de- the defense wins championships. We talked about that on the radio, too. It's just the fact that there hasn't there wasn't really a dominant defensive team left, really, you know, and, and these offenses are so good. But last year, you know, Denver, I was kind of on the Panthers. You were on Denver. But um, as you said, DVOA ranked him as like a top five defense ever. And uh, what are the other teams that have, that have the, the Seahawks, obviously the, the Seahawks, Raiders, the year uh, that they destroyed the record setting Broncos, they destroyed them. They completely yeah. shut them down. And that was like a top 10 all time DVOA defense. The Ravens in 2000 is up there. Uh, the 2002 Bucks that uh, beat up on the Raiders that were favored. The Raiders were the highest scoring team in the league that year. It, often when uh, the defense is one of the greats of all time, and it's not that rare to get a Super Bowl defense to be one of the greatest defenses of all time because obviously they made the Super Bowl, so you're already narrowing it down to pretty good teams. And the axiom is when you have an all-time great defense and sort of a mediocre offense, I would take that over a balanced team that has a good defense and a very good offense. Yeah, and the Giants facing the 18-0 Patriots, they said they're going to hold them to 17 points, and Brady you know, laughed. And what did they end up holding them to, 13, 14? 17-14. Yeah, and, and, yeah. and that Giants D obviously wasn't nearly an all-time defense, but they were playing. But they were like playing. That when they, they got they, to the Super Bowl, they yeah. were playing that way. And, and same with the 2011 version, too. Uh, you know, it's easy to retrofit, you know, your, your theory onto what happened. But, you know, I've, I've made money on all the Super Bowls, and maybe it's just lucky and I'm making up this correlation. But if there's ever an elite defense, I, I mean, really elite, like top 20 all time, I'm probably going to take it, uh, barring exceptional circumstances in the Super Bowl. Yeah, and um, we spoke of this, but, you know, the, the Patriots actually, you know, allowed the fewest points per game this season, but what you're going to say is it's just a very much product. So misleading. Which so misleading. Like, yeah, if you, if you, I don't know, I have the list in front of me, but there's like the an eight, eight, nine week stretch of the quarterbacks they faced. It was an absolute joke. Well, no, but just think about it. I'll give you every game they played. Okay, they played in their division. They have six games. Two against the Jets. The Jets are one of the worst offenses in the league this year. Two against the Dolphins. One of which was against Matt Moore because Tannehill was hurt. But even so, it's the Dolphins. They're mediocre. Two against the Bills. The Bills are actually above average on offense, but certainly not a juggernaut. Okay. Other divisions they played. They played the AFC North. They played the Bengals. They're, fit, they're so-so, sort of middle of the pack. Ravens, below average. Browns, arguably the worst in the league, one of the worst. And the Steelers, they got when Roethlisberger was hurt, and they played Landry Jones. So 
That was a very easy slate. That's 10 games right there. They also played the NFC West. They lost to Seattle in New England, okay, at home. That's an okay offense this year. Lost. Against Arizona, another okay offense. They would have lost, but Catanzaro missed a very makeable 40-something yard field goal on a last-second kick. Okay? The other two offenses they played were the Rams and the Niners, two of the worst in the NFL. Okay? And when they played the Niners, I want to say it was pre-Kaepernick. I want to say it was with Gabbard, but maybe I'm wrong about that. So, and there was a – no, no, no. Um, I believe it was it – was, I believe it was Kaepernick, but it was a very, very – it was a rainstorm for two and a half quarters in which even the Patriots couldn't score. Right. There was like a quarter so, stretch that no one right. scored. So, you know, that's like as easy as it gets. And then the rest of their schedule is uh, more games against teams that were in first place from last year. The, the Pittsburgh one was one of them, but that's already counted in their div- division they played. So there's two more games against first-place teams from the other in-conference division. One was the Texans. That was the first-place team they played in the South. Obviously a terrible offense. And the other was the Broncos. And this was not that C.J. Anderson is you know, that great, but it was when they absolutely could not run the ball. And Simeon had struggled at this point. So, you know, even when Simeon was at his peak, it's not like the Broncos were a good offense. So they did not play a single good offense, a single really good offense all year. They played Miami with Tannehill once. They played the Bills twice. They played Seattle and Arizona. They lost to Seattle, and they probably should have lost to Arizona. That's it. That's funny. I was just looking it up. Yeah, Kaepernick did play that game and actually posted a 97.4 passer rating, two, okay. two touchdowns, no picks, and, like I said, terrible conditions. But th- this defense is, I mean, it, it comes down to coaching here. I understand that Atlanta, they allowed, I think, the most fantasy points to opposing quarterbacks. So that was just purely a volume issue. I mean, they 6.9 YPA is more than respectable, just a little bit higher than the Pats. And uh, given their schedules, maybe even more impressive. And their, their pass rush really came on in the second half. Right. So I don't know what the YPA is in the second half, but I'd be curious, especially the last six or seven games. Plus, look who they played. In the playoffs, they played Aaron Rodgers. Before that, they played Russell Wilson. Before that, they played Drew Brees twice. Brees twice, yeah. They played Winston, who's okay, twice. Newton, who's okay, twice. Okay. Well, last year's MVP. I mean, right. Newton, right. Two, twice. Then, I mean. then they played the uh, AFC West, which includes the Raiders with Carr. Uh, they in- includes you know Rivers, Broncos aren't very good. The Chiefs, not very good offense, but not nearly as weak as what the Patriots faced. And then the division they faced um, during the year, I believe, was the was the Packers division, right? It was actually it might have been the uh, the West. Either way, you could tell that the Va- the Falcons' schedule was much harder. I think this D right now is like the tenth best defense in the NFL. Yeah. Um... Yeah, no, I mean, uh, it, it's definitely playing a lot better. I was trying to see what that other division is they, they did play. But, uh, yeah, it looks like the NFC West is who they played. Um, but, okay, um, so they both played the West, which is garbage. Right. Um, but the uh, – so the thing is, it's just really it's, – it's interesting to me. It's Coach – first of all, Alex Mack, who is a big difference maker, uh, the best center in football, he hurt his ankle. He was able to return to that game. But, I don't know, it's something to watch. He's going to miss all the practice – this week, but I really give credit to both of these coaches. The second year in, in Kyle Shanahan's system is just really, he's thrived. I think Shanahan's had a, um, a top 10 offense in like eight of the 10 seasons in which he's been a coordinator. And uh, boy, I'm, I'm really have high hopes for him as a 49er fan. I'm glad they didn't go to some retread. I mean, he'd be the second youngest coach in the NFL. Who knows how these translate from coordinators to head coaching positions, but they're going to give the long-term view here, not a quick fix. Let him do his thing and basically pick the general manager he wants, give him all the power, 
So I'm definitely excited about that. But um, he, he, he just has these guys in the right position. Just look at these personnel. I mean, Julio Jones is awesome, obviously, but he's playing banged up. And even when he missed a couple games, this team still thrived. I mean, Taylor Gabriel's fast, okay, but Mohamed Sanu, Ter- Austin, these, these poor tight ends, yes, they have pretty good uh, running backs. But, in the, you know, in New England, I mean, with no Gronk, I mean, Chris Hogan's their biggest playmaker now. I mean, it's really interesting. They do not have any marquee position players other than Julio Jones, yet these offenses are awesome. Uh, I think the coaches just really put these teams in positions to succeed, getting the ball out super quick. Yeah, I mean, well, Brady is arguably the greatest NFL player of all time. Like, I would take Peak Rogers over him, but talking about a career, I think you go with Brady, right? And even, you know, if you're picking a guy for one game, Brady's not far down the list. So It's crazy that he's 39, by the way, doing this. I mean, look at what Manning you know, became later at this stage. I mean, it's just, it's, it's crazy. Because uh, Manning was eating that shit. What did Manning, what were the, play- oh, he's probably eating Papa John's pizza. That's right. why. <laughs> He, he was getting to be a lazy sack with the nasty artificial ingredients, all natural. That doesn't mean anything. The, the crap canned ingredients, the canned vegetables, whatever the hell they're using, probably had that. Too much of that, eating that stuff. I think he was uh, commercial, him and his brother, with Oreos back in the day. Oreos, too. right. He's taking those, not always orally. And it's just not good for you. And it's just, you know, look, Peyton Manning's a sack. You know, Tom Brady is jacked. He's married to Giselle. He's got to stay in shape to keep up with that. And they have, like, a personal chef that's cooking them the craziest, healthy, organic, paleo, whatever it is, every night. You have enough money to just have everything made just so. It's easy to be healthy, right? You don't have to – it's like you just – your fridge is always stocked with good stuff. Yeah, I forget. I'm I'm definitely going to forget it now. But there was some funny list of foods that Tom Brady has never tried in his life. And they're obviously all unhealthy, you know. But he's like – his body has been his temple since, like, day one. Yeah. I mean, you know, I don't really respect – I respect it and I don't. I sort of like the Brett Favre, Joe Namath type of guy, too, you know, who just gets wasted. I don't know if Favre did. He got addicted to painkillers. I guess it's a little different. But Namath was, like, out partying and stuff. Yeah, like what Ken Stabler, right? Oh, did he? Did he? I think it's show. It should, he'd be like hung over the next day, bad or halfway drunk still yeah. or whatever. No, I, Get I the respect that. That's what I respect for. I also respect Janikowski, of course. <laughs> for different reasons, but anyway, yes, Brady. Um, it's great, and he it shows no signs of slowing down. Pro Football Focus just named him the best player in the NFL this season based on their their film study. So, yeah, I, I'm leaning toward the Patriots for the reasons in which I, I said. Um, again, partially, it's just I already am invested in them. I, I do think this line is about right or actually perfect. You cannot roll it off three points in Las Vegas. Uh, maybe this, some this of your... line's not going to move. I don't think. I don't think. No, it's definitely not. No, but Bob Scucci, the uh, behind the bets uh, podcast, he runs the Orleans, and he he said he would be shocked because the money would just flow up. You know, only, the only way they're doing this is for some reason they're getting an inordinate amount on one side, and I just right. don't see that happening. So this line is stuck at three, and probably just the normal ten point juice, and um, it's going to be. I, I really do think it's going to be fun, high scoring, and and a close game. And I, I, I personally am probably going to bet uh, the Patriots money line. Yeah, that's a cowardly bet. But I'll tell you what. So the other bet I was looking at is uh, which player scores the first touchdown of the game. I was going to say, let's let's do the uh, – normally these props don't come out, at least officially in Vegas, and that's something we can talk about next week. But go ahead with your – I was going to say let's run through a bunch of props next week. Yeah, I don't have them up, but I saw a couple uh, ones. And so his first touchdown, I was looking at Sanu at 14-1, to 1, Austin Hooper at 22-1, to 1, and then Levine 
Toy Lolo yeah. at 34 to 1. I was looking at those three. You, yeah, what would you bet on all three? No, I, I, pro- I think I was going to go Sanu and, and Hooper. But maybe all three. Yeah, I might. Because the thing about, you know, getting 34 to 1 is you put 50 bucks down on that, and it's a really it's a nice score. Right, yeah. No, that's always fun to do. I, yeah, I always, like I said, the, the square pool thing and, and a bunch of prop bets. It, it's the Super Bowl. It's the last time you get to bet. I mean, it's so tough to bet. I mean, DFS is one thing, but it's so tough to gamble on, like, the NBA. I, I like I, NBA and MLB, I pretty much just do futures before the season or, or if I find a value midseason. Betting on those singly in games, it's just it's just nothing compared to the NFL. So this is your last chance, Super Bowl. I, I usually go pretty big, and I'm sure I will again. Yeah. I think I'm going to go kind of big on this, too. I, the the one, last one I went big on, I felt really strongly about Seattle, and I put a lot of money on it over Denver, and I, I won quite a bit of money. It was good, probably about 1100 Got some oh, uh, nice. got some payoff. You know, just I got some, like, alter, alternate lines, money line, bunch of stuff. So it was good. Right. Um, right. Okay, so I'm looking at this. Cool. Go ahead. But, Super Bowl MVP. So, you know, Matt Ryan's plus 250. I kind of like that. Julio Jones is plus 800. I kind of like that, although the Patriots are good at taking away a guy. I, I guess 250 for Matt Ryan. If they take away Julio Jones, Matt Ryan's going to be the MVP. If, if Oh, he spreads it around. Taylor Gabriel had more touchdowns this season than Julio Jones. I mean, yeah. he, I mean obviously Julio is, is a beast, but, I mean, he, he really does spread it around. And, and if that, that makes more sense because that's a bigger, uh, you know, you're getting more odds. That's right. But it's not a guarantee. It's going to be Matt Ryan. I mean, it, it, you can say that always about the quarterback, but boy, I'd say it even more so with this team. You're probably right. That's a good one. I guess I will. I will uh, use Ryan for MVP. I think it's a good one. Yeah, I like that. Um, uh, so you want to go 50? I'll, I'll take the Pats minus three. Might as well. Sure. I'll do 100 on this, actually. All right. Let's. Okay. All right. I'll do it. Okay. okay. Done. I'm just, I'm just gonna get my money back from this year, basically. I gotta like. Oh, well, you have to get a long way to go. <laughs> hey, 50 is a good start. I gotta start. Yeah. So anything got, else? Uh, we'll, we, like I said, uh, we'll, go, we'll go a little bit more over uh, props. Uh, you doing anything baseball wise these days? I actually signed up for that. Uh, what's the Draft Champions League that you talked about uh, last week on XM? It's funny. An XM uh, listener uh, heard us talking, and we're talking about our pitching, my pitching strategy, you know. And he um, he heard that, and he signed up in the league that I'm in just because listening to our uh-huh. show and he's competing against me and uh i actually did not go pitching heavy early i, I tried to see how it would work otherwise but just it's a good thing to mess around on nfbc right now it's a slow draft pick every eight hours which can be frustrating if you want to hurry up but i really it's helped me fine-tune my my rankings and really get a feel of the adp yeah i i don't have any rankings yet and uh i just know the adp a little bit because i talked about it on the xm show but i kind of don't want to know too much this year like I, i'm telling you like, our hoops team that we're in, right, we're in second place. Like, I was just picking guys I knew, right? I know who right. Reagans is. He was a first-round pick. I'll take him in the third or fourth round. Fourth round. DeRozan, I know who he is. I'll take him in the third. Like, you know, our team's good because I just didn't really know, but I just picked some guys I'd heard of. Now, I'm sure I made some stupid picks also. But but uh, last year, not this year, but because we didn't have a league, I won the Friends and Family Basketball League. And I knew nothing about basketball at the time of the draft. I knew a lot more during the year from DFS. But – I just picked a team that crushed just because I was like, ah, Pau Gasol, you know, he's usually good. I'll take him. I, everybody I took, Kemba Walker, was gold, right, Giannis, all these people that I, I was like, I'll just take him, I'll take him. And I sometimes think that my best drafts are when I don't know all the details. I don't know all the ins and outs of 
well, this guy's having a great spring, and he bulked up in the winter league, and this other guy is, you know, throwing really hard in this offseason. And, oh, don't forget, he did really well in September. Or this, All this stuff, right? Like, I just don't know any of that yet. And sometimes you just go to the draft. You know baseball. You've done it for a million years. And you're like, I like this guy. I think this guy's good. You're not really sure where you know it. You, you played some DFS, and you remember him having a couple big games. You watched the game, and he was blowing people away. You, I don't know. You, you had him on your team for a little bit. But you just have, like, an impression of all these guys, and you just go with it. And I swear, I've had all my best drafts under those kind of conditions. And whenever I, like, overstudy every little detail, it's just what happens is you get all this information, and it's impossible to weigh it properly. You end up being like, I really like this guy. His comp is this other pitcher. You know, like Dallas Keuchel last year. Like, for some reason, I convinced myself he was like Cliff Lee. So I was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get Keuchel some shares of him. I think he's underrated. And, like, what was the real reason? It was like the extreme command. I don't know. I just got I overweighted like some stuff that I had looked up too much. And I just realized it doesn't all that stuff is just it's not necessary. You're not going to find the crazy formula. You're not going to be like, oh, I see the hard hit percentage and strikeout percentage combined. That's the magic table I need to screen and print out because th- those are the guys that make the big jump. It's never like that. Totally agree with you. Everyone knows FIP, XFIP and swinging strike percentage. Everyone's looking at the same numbers that, that you are. Uh, these days. And um, I think it, it, there's some value in ADP just knowing that this player is typically going to be available 40 picks later. So even if you love him, maybe wait one more round. You know, odds are strong that he will still be there, something like that. But let me ask you this. Let me ask you about that. can't get too deep in the weeds for sure. Let me ask you about this, right? So first off, ADP goes out the window around round 10, right? Because you don't, I mean, you don't want to be like, oh, he's a 14th rounder. I'm not going to take him in round 11, even though it's the guy I like best. That is very yeah. dangerous and very crazy. Because the difference between 11 and 14 is marginal, right? You start getting into that range, who knows? So we're talking about the top 10 rounds. And the first round and the second round, it's not that important because you kind of know who's going around there, right? Like it's not just without even studying it. You kind of know who the top 20 guys are pretty much, roughly. So you're really talking about rounds three through nine, basically, why you should know ADP. And what happens is by knowing ADP, you avoid the mistake of taking, as you said, someone round four that you could have gotten round six, maybe, on certain occasions. But, you know, A, you could be in a league where one other person is the highest of anybody on that player and lose out. It it may be that you get someone else in round six that is better than the guy you would have taken in round four. Now, I understand, like, you'd rather be picking in round four than get two six-round picks. But the downside of ADP is that you start to see – it's very hard to just keep the ADP as sort of an independent – piece of information what starts to happen is it starts to infiltrate your brain and starts to and you start to feel like yeah this is where this guy slots subconsciously you're like yeah he's the fourth rounder yeah he goes in the sixth round he goes in the fifth round and then it's very easy to make the leap of yeah i'll take him in the fifth round or i agree that he's the fifth rounder that's a very subtle thing that can happen oh everybody agrees that this that there's this is where these guys go and suddenly the adp is basically your draft list give or take a couple guys you're moving around Whereas yeah, you don't, no, I understand. No, I understand. If you don't know it at all, then you, then you don't you don't run the risk of adopting the the herd mentality in your drafting. So yeah, you do run a little bit of a risk of taking a guy twenty picks early. At the same time, you're open to taking players that you might have closed off to um, because you thought he was a different round player, or your 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 whole mindset of what you think about players gets lost because you start to slip into ADP mode. Yeah, no, I, listen, I, I like to be contrarian as much as anyone. I, I, I 
I, hell, I'm the guy who said I'll, I'll take four straight starting pitchers to open an NFBC draft this year. I will happily do it in a big money league if, you know, if I like the pitchers, obviously, but I will do that. I, I always go back to me taking – I took Larry Johnson in the third round when Priest Holmes was healthy in the starter, and the guy mocked me directly behind me. I took him with the 11th pick, and the guy at the wheel mocked me. Um, shout out to Joey Goldman, and he took J.J. Arrington after right. he mocked me. Right. So, uh, and, uh, and, but, but let me counter – to you to you and say is there a value to uh the, the value of the crowd you know like if so many people won't won't they be kind of tight you know the rankings will ultimately be fairly tight just the value of so so many people pulling these issues you know it's the value of the crowd i know you say herd mentality i totally get it but just to be uh you know counterpoint here what do you think about the value of a crowd um i think the wisdom of the crowd works a lot better wisdom. when everybody's coming to it independently so let's say like you know, a million of us all were tasked with estimating where a player should be drafted and put out a cheat sheet. Every one of us on a spreadsheet and submitted it to some place to upload, and they got aggregated into, like, a wisdom of the crowd ADP all at once. That would be way better than what actually happens, which is that everybody's looking at everybody else's rankings, right? Everybody's drafting with everybody else. Everybody's looking at the NFBC ADP and being influenced by that as they draft. So... People are not coming at this independently. They're influenced by each other. So there's this feedback loop. So, no, I don't think there's a wisdom of a crowd of the crowd's benefit here. I think okay. groupthink is more likely to ensue. And you obviously see how wrong we are about so many players. Some of it's injury, but some of it's just flat-out wrong. And it's impossible to pinpoint, you know, what's, how much of it is what. It's, it's a fine line because I don't want to be ignorant of who's playing for what team. But I really only want to go to the depth charts, you know, of Rotowire, and just kind of know who's playing where, Kind of know who they are, the people that I don't know, you know, the, the young guys and the foreigners coming in, and that's it. And just go in. I don't want to know anything about ADP. Yeah, no, to- totally makes sense. One final baseball question, um, then I'm going to throw some Trump stuff at you. Is our boy Yasiel Puig going to ball this year? Of course. I think his floor, <laughs> I think his floor is like 30, 15 steals, 295. Floor. Okay. I like it. All right. Okay. I, I just want to be sure. Let him play. They just got to let him play and he's got to be healthy. I still think he's good, but I, you know, he'll just be a lot cheaper to acquire this year. Yeah. <laughs> that, <laughs> that is for sure. All right. Before we get out of here, um, we'll, we'll, we'll get more in depth of the Super Bowl next week. Like I said, we'll go with some prop picks. Um, just, just what level of concern are you? I don't want to, you know, get too political, but man, I mean, Donald Trump so far is just basically, he's been pretty far out there so far. I mean, uh, he wants to, to scrap all climate change from the EPA website. Um, I, vaccines cause autism. And this is a funny thing in my local paper here. My family and all the community around me are farmers. My family just grows a ton of, of almonds or, or almonds, as you guys would refer to them. And um, he uh, backing out of the TPP is now estimated to cost farmers $655 million uh, based on backing out of this TPP thing, which is hilarious to me. And sad because every single one of these farmers voted, or not everyone, but the vast majority wanted Trump in there. And it's hilarious that it's taken a week for him to, to care for what you wish for. Well, you know, a couple things like TPP was something that is very bad for the average person, the average worker. It's good for corporations. It may be good for um, large farmers, but it was it, it allowed uh, multinational companies to sue countries if they put up regulations for you know worker protections environmental protections 
you know, Bernie Sanders was totally against the TPP. Hillary pretended to be against it briefly when it got competitive in the primary, but everyone knew that she was going to backtrack on it. Obama was pushing it. So I'm glad that he nixed that thing. That was good. Okay. Um, and I think that the Democrats, some of them are really stupid. Like, if he does something good, just go along with it. If he does something bad, which is most of what he's doing, resist it. Right? Don't just resist everything. Don't worry about that. Just resist the, the things you need to resist, the crackdowns on the press, not letting you know Muslims in the country, all that kind of thing. Resist that. Don't resist stuff that's actually good. You know, like, go along with it. If he wants to do things that, that um, take care of American workers, that's, that's good. You know, so that, that's my feeling on that. Okay, and one final thing. He, he, the person he, he appointed uh, basically wants to end net neutrality, too. That, that's a, a sticky topic, too. What are your thoughts on that? Well, that would be a disaster. That and the, the douchebag who's uh, supposed to be Treasury Secretary who foreclosed on people's homes and he lied about it in the hearings. Uh, There's a couple of bad (laughs) appointees, and I hope some of them uh, get voted down for being too clueless or lying or whatever. We'll see. You know, the Democrats themselves can't vote them down. They can't uh, block them. So we'll see if some Republicans go along with it. And Trump is a little unhinged. Like, he's a little just says stupid stuff like the voter fraud stuff, which is just transparently ridiculous. He's talking to the CIA, and apropos of nothing, he starts ranting about how his, he had a great crowd at the inauguration, and it was, and, you know, the press is lying about that. And it's like, that's not like just, it's not just embarrassing. It's a little disturbing. Like, he's just kind of out to lunch, like in a really, uh, like, spaced out, like, old cranky codger type of way. And so I, I guess people know that about him, but it's just like he's a little, I, I, don't, I don't know what the effect of that will be he's got all these people around him that are more machiavellian and manipulating everything and know about policy and are going to be more aggressive in certain things but yeah last political thing i just watched uh yesterday i watched the documentary wiener um and that dude's nuts uh pun partially intended that that's worth watching that documentary if you haven't but man that's that that's pretty crazy his whole situation and that ended even before his last uh his last picture (laughs) aired too but that, that's definitely a uh, sadly entertaining uh, documentary if you haven't uh, seen it. Oh, he's a, he's a freak, right? He's a crazy person. Crazy. Totally delusional. Yeah. I, I, think, I actually think like a good portion of our politicians are mentally ill. Like the people who are willing to go through that to seize power and make 500 calls a day to raise money every day. And so many of them, I think, are mentally ill. You'd have to be wired a little differently than you and me. I would, There's I would a couple say. guys, you know, that I, you know, I think Bernie got in a long time ago and he's in a pretty safe seat. But I... A lot of these guys are crazy. I'm just hoping. I think things can. I think there could be a silver lining. You saw the women's march; that wouldn't have happened. People will organize. They're going to take back, hopefully, some actual progressive values. The question is, can they do it before Trump does so much damage that it's too late? It's also interesting to me. These impressive uh, women marches took place when Trump won the white woman vote. Right. Uh, well, he did win the white woman vote, uh, but. There's certainly a lot of women who are very not down with him, and a lot of men also were in those marches. So it's not surprising that that many people marched. And um, even, you know, you, you have to understand there's 150 million women in the country. So right. to get a few million out could be, you know, they don't have to be Trump voters. But sure. but, but that's like a positive, right? I mean, that's kind of a positive thing that they're, show, you know, that they're showing themselves and showing that they're not going to give in to, like, to, to policies that are harmful to them. And, and so hopefully stuff like that, which was, was just not possible 
uh, under like a Clinton Obama administration when they wouldn't do something like shut down Planned Parenthood, but they would bomb countries in the Middle East and do things that were pernicious and foreclose on people's homes and stuff. And nobody really resisted. There was like Occupy Wall Street, but it was a small fringe group, right? But now you may get some mainstream resistance, and that may be a silver lining. Right, right. All right, listen. That's all I got for you this week. All right, well, we're good. All right, I'll be away next week, but we're not gonna. Do we? Are we gonna record another podcast? Uh, I would have to do it Monday, so we'll have to talk about it. All right, we'll figure it out. All right, all we'll right. see what props come up. But anyway, all right, man. Good luck. Uh, yeah, I should, hope I, I'm just rooting for a good Super Bowl, even if you're not. I just hope no. it's a close, exciting game. Atlanta blowout. All right. That's all I want to see. All right, all right. later, list. Take it easy. This is the East Coast Offense Podcast brought to you by Fanduel. There's a special offer for new Fanduel users. Get a free six month RotoWire subscription with a ten dollar deposit on Fanduel. Go to fanduel.com slash RW. Not only will you get that free subscription, but you'll also have that $10 available to play with on Fanduel. It's more than $40 in value for just 10 bucks. Go to fanduel.com slash RW.